All right, oh, welcome geez. to the uh, Almost Live podcast here at Riddles. Comedy uh, Club in Comedy, Comedy Club. 505, 111th Street. West 111th Street. Uh, my name is Stephen Kerrigan. With me is... Zach Brakovich. And uh, Homer Azari is over there doing tech support. Say hi, Homer. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Homer is gay. Um, also Persian, so we kind of knew a little bit of that. Um, I don't want to... I hope this isn't too loud, but I do have to drink, so... We all we all drink here at Riddles. We oh oh friends. no! I wrote down. Okay. <clears throat> Actually, so we're not doing this. I'm drinking we're... the best cherry coke I've ever had in my life here at Riddles. They put so much grenadine in. I'm gonna tell you something else. When you ask the bartender for a Jack on the Rocks at Riddles, you get a fucking Jack on the Rocks at Riddles. Like it can is not. Can we curse in this podcast? Yeah, of course you can. Okay, just in case, want to do another intro? Yeah. Uh, okay. All right, welcome to the Riddles Open Mic here uh, here at Monday, um, here on Monday, here at Monday, whatever. Uh, my name is Stephen Kerrigan. With me is Zach Brakovich and Homer Zari, and we are the Almost Live trio. Not not like we are almost live, but we are all alive. We this is not a notification of the zombie apocalypse. Right now, as we're recording, we're live. When you hear this podcast, it's all the irony live. of our. Same. But it's edited as well, so it's yeah. not quite live. Yeah. And the address of this place, by the way, is 5055... 5505 West 111th Street, Alsip, yeah. Illinois. Is it 5505? Yeah. No? no? It's 5055. Yeah. 5055. I'm good with numbers. I'm bad okay. with streets and letters and alphabet and spelling. So <laughs> My fault. 5055. <laughs> um, and we've... Uh, We've been to some open mics, got some experience out there. I do have to say this is one of my favorites. And I'm not just saying that because the host is right over there. It is, in fact, true. <laughs> the host of this open mic is Jay you get Washington. You an actual no, 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 no. comic. In fact, when Homer and I came here the first time, it actually threw him off because he wasn't aware that you get music in between. <laughs> yeah. So he goes, and then I was so... I don't know. I, I, I just like the like the lighting is really nice, and you get a stage and everything like that. It's an like actual that. comedy. Club. It's an actual comedy club, and I didn't see the light, and I like went over, like horribly, unprofessional, very unprofessional. Okay, but um. Well, Jay loves it when you ignore the light. Yeah. He told me personally, just ignore the light. Yeah, I'm kidding. Don't <laughs> do what you want. Ignore if he the comes light. Comes on stage, include him into your bits. So he likes yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, Homer had a bad experience with that. So um, obviously, my just to recap, if you guys didn't listen to the first one, my goal of the podcast is to be philosophical about what is comedy, and like that's sort of my angle of brushing things. I actually I come from a performing background. I also study philosophy. Where? Uh, University of Memphis. Oh, yeah. We're just study comedy. We're in Italy. <laughs> And it's called Comedia. No, but I, like it's old. It's old. Okay, it's dead. That joke is dead. So I Zach, like making I, fun of I, me I, being yeah, an Zach, that's Zach's, very much a lie. I know. I don't like. I don't like. I'd it. say it's almost lie. <laughs> so I, um, Zach comes from the uh, writing perspective of things. Yeah, sort I'm of a big time writer. Yeah. By that I don't mean I'm like the pinnacle of writing. I mean. But he I does write have, a lot for a lot of different comedy venues and journalism venues, and and he has that talent because I, I don't I don't describe myself as a writer. Like the best I do when I write down bits is more like have an outline, and I have to, I have to do it out loud. Like I have to almost rehearse it in a way. I just say it out loud, and then I kind of critique it myself. And sometimes I get people's opinions. It's a lot oh. easier when you read it off a sheet of paper. And then, uh, and then, uh, again, if you haven't heard this already, like Homer is um, coming from the uh, Persian perspective. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Why not? Also, production. No. Um, <laughs> no. What, yeah. Homer yeah. Has, didn't you have a sitcom? Yeah, I'm starting it back up. It, before it was just sketches. Now it's actually going to be a sitcom. Oh, boy. Hey. When are you going to start this thing? Come on, brother. Ooh. Ten after eight. You guys are all sitting here. Start the show. This is a. Uh, yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Um, but what I was saying about Homer is that um, he's coming from more of a, um, uh, how do I say, I want to say this politely, I don't want to insult you in any way. Fight club point of view. He's coming from a fight club point of view, in the sense that he just wants a human connection. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's lonely. He's very lonely. If yeah, you yeah, see yeah, Homer, like, give him a pity. Like, yeah. like, hug me. I, I go for hug hugs. him. He'll get a boner. Uh, it's fine. It's possible. But no, what I'm saying is, I, I want to say novice, but I mean that in a really good way. Like, it's like. I've only been doing it since March. So. Right. So, but so like, but. That's fine. We've got the gist of what we wanted to do, anyways. I think in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't even got to my what I want to talk about. Uh, we might have to do it later because they're, they're starting. In, yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. So, um, so that's we, we just might use that intro then. Um, we're gonna we're all gonna go up. We're gonna do our five. Uh, we'll come back. We'll debrief, and I wanna I have some talking points I wanna do. Talking we'll be, points. Yeah, man. Um, but we're only doing like five minutes. Twenty five more minutes, like because it's got to be like half an hour to forty five minutes. Okay. Well, the li- no, the first one was forty five minutes. So. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get back to this. Um, what? How can people start off, like, I got a great joke for you, and they start off like they're going to do a bit, and then slowly they realize how weird that is when you're both in a car, like, going to a weird place, and it just degenerates them telling a story, and they realize it's not. Yeah. So, so I have this kid, and he wears this backpack that's bigger than he is. Well, what's funny is, whenever I'm doing a bit for, like, another comedian, is, like, I know that they get that it's not, like, there's no audience. Right. I know that you get that. Yeah. Like, here's but I'm gonna, yeah, but I'm going to do it as if there is an audience, right. so it's not weird. Whereas, like, somebody goes, hey, I got an idea for a bit. They get halfway through it, and no one's laughing. And then they get all self-conscious, and they're like, well, no, I guess not. Like, maybe it's not funny. I'm I've got it on his face. When people are like, here's this joke, and I'm just like, uh-huh. Test. Don't. Don't. We right. did the test. All right. <laughs> what the hell is your problem? I don't know. Don't whistle into a directional I just like, microphone. I just like the effect of me talking, showing up on You like phone. ruining it? Like <laughs> you like me, you like creating an editing nightmare for me? No, Do you I'm realize sorry. how long I edited the first podcast? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, there's oh, a wind. There's a windbreaker. Oh, there's a windbreaker. Yeah. It works like that. It works pretty well. It, it goes against. That's what it protects against. It doesn't protect against. Oh no, not that. But his thing and protect it. Can we just do the podcast? Because yeah. I got to work. <laughs> sure. All right. Places to so be. This is great reinforcement of the fact that I'm not very observant. So have you been recording like everything? Yeah. No. Really? Yeah. Probably not going to use any of it. George Bush would. Not yeah, like just you. in case I can like take a snippet here and a snippet there. But what, the, what, only, what the only problem is if I use anybody else, I have to then message them first and say, "Can I have your permission?" Right. Because it's on iTunes, it's a public domain, so I can't use people's voices without their consent. So, do you, do you think it'd be funny if I went up to people and repeated jokes they told, and then told them I don't know where I heard this from, but I'm stealing it? I, I kind of like I kind of like our idea of like going because <coughs> there's Dave. open mics at like borders Dave. and stuff like that, like going to those and completely screwing with people. Uh, like you know what I mean? Like if we all three get up and do the same five minutes, <laughs> but like but sit, like as same being, style, like, don't enter at the same yeah, time, same, same style, same delivery, like. Everything and like just watch that people go amazing. like it's gonna be very focused on and record the room. Or what if right? each person's more and more irritated? Like <laughs> so every like he hesitates like more and more on the punchlines. Like and then it was a rape victim. No, like I don't know. like that's the punchline. <laughs> but then they like hesitate. Each okay, one. maybe Zach and I will write it. No, 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 like no, like act like nothing. Act like nothing is wrong. It's guerrilla theater. Tell some rape jokes. Or maybe oh yeah, and that's that. That's what we're gonna do. Some anti-gay cancer jokes. Rake them in the ass with a Mexican (laughs) rape victim. But only if the ass has cancer. But then then I'll be on stage like, that's, come on, man. So let's let's go political. That's Who has AIDS? (laughs) Who has AIDS? Man! My problem is when true things happen, I have a hard time of working them in because they're just so true and weird. Like, my friend and I were smoking weed, and he, like, a news story came up of, like, this guy who, like, got caught with a bunch of drugs, and, like, he, he's, like, got caught with, like, a pound of meth, and, like, that's, that's way too much, but, like... That's a lot of meth. That's enough to kill a North No, but, like, it's, like, a lot of meth, and he's, like, and he also had two grams of weed. And, it, and my friend goes, what? He goes, weed will never be legal if you don't stop doing this shit. And I go, what are you talking about? And he's like, math. 
fuck? I know. And he's like so goddamn irritated. This is the mic we use. Okay. Got it. It's right here. It's a very nice mic and a wooden block stand. It's the wood. It's a, nice. it's a black. It's a, nice type of it's wood. a black Muppet penis. Let's not. Let's not get. Crazy. So what is the podcast called? Almost live. Okay. Look it up under Stephen Kerrigan <laughs> okay. on iTunes. God, I'm trying to. Think. It's because of the title I did it on Podbean. It translated to iTunes. Yeah, why didn't you put Kerrigan. under Almost Live? I tried to. That's, I just explained that, Homer. Like I just explained that to him. You know, I have a short attention. I don't. I don't. I don't get it. Did you go over it right again? Now? Yeah, it's recording. This right is now. all very upsetting. I don't. It's not going to go in. If it goes in, it didn't go well. <laughs> okay. First off, we have to say we all did well tonight. And congratulations. Yeah. I mean, I did okay. Okay, but I didn't have a lot of energy. Do you want to break down the sets that we did real quick? No, let's do let's do a, an intro. Let's do an intro. We already did an intro. Yeah, but okay, but no, we didn't because we said we were going to come back after yeah, the okay. mic. Okay, um, okay. Welcome back to Almost Live. Um, <laughs> we're all tired and we want to go home. My my name is Stephen Kerrigan. I have. Zach Bragovich. And, okay, and our guest tonight is going to be... Chris Silva. All right, and um, I almost didn't let Chris do this, actually, because he's he was better than us, which yeah, is unacceptable. Yeah. Oh, stop. It's a cutthroat <laughs> industry, and that's basically <laughs> literally that. Okay. So the last, Chris, just to catch you up, the last podcast we did, we kind of, well, we tried to, we tried to address, like, what is comedy, what is funny, like, um, and we didn't really reach a consensus, of course, because everybody has a different view. Yeah. I came down on the fact of, like, you know, comedy comes from a good or bad place. Like, you know, you can really touch any subject. Uh, My favorite example is Ricky Gervais joking about, like, the Holocaust, right? Makes it funny, it's fine. Homer believes that comedy can actually bring racists together. It it can, sure. (laughs) They'll misinterpret jokes and they'll be like, yeah, they are like that. But then that's not comedy to them. It's not a joke to them. They're actually saying it's true. I'm not, let's not do this debate again. And uh, Zach uh, was standing there the whole time. I love comedy because I like making people's day better, but not actually connecting with them on a personal level. Okay. My talking, my talking point for, um, for this podcast, which we'll, we, we, we go off on a tangent and then there's just no getting back, but, um, the, the new material, okay, when you go up there and you're doing something that you have not done for anybody else, like, or you know, you've never done in an open mic or uh, on stage, like if it's a regular gig and you're like, oh, I'm going to work in a new joke between two really solid jokes, you know, um, or bits or whatever. Bits is an industry term, <laughs> but um, my just just to start it off, my process is sort of I will actually say it out loud, probably twenty five to fifty times, and record probably ten of those times and play it back to myself, and then go, is this funny to me? Like try to listen as as an, a you know an, a neutral observer, which just from my background, from a performing background, you have to get over watching yourself and hearing yourself like really quickly. And people think I'm like really weird, like watching myself. They're like, that guy's a dick. You like, do it out in public where people don't. Know. Starbucks. Yeah. Starbucks with a laptop. So I, <clears throat> I totally connected with you on watching the film because you have to know. You know, for different different jokes, my body movement is really important. Am I leaning one way? Am I leaning another way? Am I, right. you know, do I am I talking too much to the side? Am I looking at the crowd? Because as much as I hate to connect with the crowd, it's important to seem like you're looking at them. So you got to get used to watching yourself for sure. Yeah. Uh, as far as new material goes, it's always hard the first time you try a joke. There's only been two of my favorite, only two jokes I've ever written. I've performed once and have never had to tweak. Every every other time, like the jokes I thought were crap. But I get up on stage and I listen for what gets the laughs. And then if I can pull out the laughs from one joke and move them into another joke and tag it. But the first time I do it... So is it is it timing then? Is it like what exactly you're like, oh, I like the rhythm of that joke, not the material? Like um, I, I would say that the three things I've heard, the three, the three components to stand up that you need all three is um, unique, solid material, uh, timing... And delivery. Easy. Easy. 
Those, those are the three things. <laughs> done. Done and you done. Know, um, Chris. And those are important. Chime in. I, new I've, material. New material? For me, I have sort of this weird problem with new material where I feel like most people don't suffer from it. I have this thing where the first time I tell a joke, sometimes it will go really, really well, and then never again. Sure. It's it's this weird sort of sort of like I've heard a lot of people say, well, the first time you tell a joke, it never really goes all that well. But I think because I just get excited about a new joke, and you. maybe even if even in certain situations, I think maybe my expectations were really low. So like any degree of laughter is like, yes, they love the new joke. And then when I do it the next time, it's just like, okay, well, just those people liked how long, the new joke. I, how long have you been doing it? About two years. Two years. You have a very unique way of joke telling. I've noticed. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, for the, well, no, no, one on the, <laughs> no one on the podcast will, will hear um, Chris's set. Um, ever. Ever. No, so go like, see him. Just, yeah, so go see him. Like, look him up. Go see him. Jesus. Like, what is this? Amateur? Um, it was. It actually was. But we yeah, all we all did very well. But um, just to give you guys an idea, it was it was very measured. It was a very measured delivery. And one of the reasons he was so successful is he was very still on yeah. stage. Um, where if you notice the people who maybe I don't wanna I don't slam comics ever, but except for that guy at Laugh Out Loud. The Who? Bears jersey oh, guy. God. Oh my God, he was like a real life boomhauer. Yeah. Like you really could not understand him at all. It was like his first time. He was drunk as hell. You know. Sunglasses on stage. Bono. Maybe and, he was blind. Yeah. No. He was clearly blind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was it was like very much and very still. And like you see people that you know they're like gearing up for new material because they start they start the swing yeah. and they start the pacing back and forth. Um, so how much thought do you actually put into movement, gesture? Um, I know you guys can't see this in the podcast audience, but like we can't really look at each other and talk because we have to talk like towards the microphone or else we don't get picked up. Um, so I'm actually talking to the person beside me, but like not looking at him. It's kind of It's odd. like you have autism. <laughs> it, it, it makes sense. Thanks. By the way, there's an autism awareness show to raise money for autism April 15th. <laughs> and you... And no one is allowed to look at anyone else at that show. You can't just sit. You, just, you can't just be like, "Hey, look at that goofy-looking guy." Hey, he's got autism. You know, he's like, "Oh." But no. Homer, of all like the racist, awful things you said, I believe like er, it was earlier tonight. It was like, "Hey, I'll, you like we'll do each other's punchlines," and you're like, "Yeah." So there was a rape in prison. Like, oh, yeah. It's like, you're like that's the first thing you think of when you think of a punchline. I don't know. It was just rape a, and straight to rape. But, I don't know. As as you were getting on stage, Homer, um, Charlie Stone, who I'm sure you yeah. know. Um, he said to me um, as sort of like an introduction to you uh, he said oh I've, I've never gone more than like five seconds without hearing him say cunt so I was me? yeah so I was expect huh. I was expecting more cunts not on Homer's a dirty bird. Homer is a dirty bird. But I'm a very nice guy. I'm not a no, dumbass. Yes. I just, my my mouth is very dirty. You're a cunty bird. I think it's more. Bird. I think it's more of your mind. My mind is. That's the weird. I think thing it's about more of Homer. your mind. He's but the nicest guy in the world, yet the creepiest guy in the world. Yeah. The yeah. ideas that go through my head. You don't want to be in my bedroom when these ideas come out. Nobody wants to be in your bedroom, Homer. Like, well, you can just stop the sentence right there. Make <laughs> make a night of it. Period. Racism Done. On stage. There was, except when the guy went to like Native American jokes, and for some reason, like, no no Native American in the room. Yeah. And those like kind of fell flat. My personal vice is I have to move the microphone stand out of my way, oh, yes. or else I'll fiddle with it like, okay. unconsciously. Can, can I just make one quick comment? Sure. Um, I have a natural way of finding the people who don't find me funny, <laughs> and, and and this is what I mean by that. I was I did. But I did, how hard can that be? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I did comedy under the tap recently, about a week ago, and I did I did very well. It was sold out. He didn't invite us, out. and they were all there for you. No, they weren't. I was actually a last-minute fill-in, which was nice. They're like, we're out of people and whatever, or a bunch of comics, whatever. 
Um, but I was doing really well, and I had a lot of people come up to me after the show and tell me I did well. There was one, two guys up front. I want to say one couple, but I don't know if they're together. The status, I think yeah. Facebook, and they, they sat there with their, with their arms folded, and they were staring at me. And I swear, like, the people around them were laughing at, at all my jokes. You know, some jokes took more than others. But these two guys, for whatever reason, they were like that the whole show. And as I pan around the audience, I can always find the people. I did Gotham one time. Sold out show. 300 people. It was a Wednesday. It was a bringer. So Gotham? Gotham Comedy Club in New York City. I was going to say, like, Gotham is not a real place. No, no, no. no comedy okay. Club. No, I'm with you. I'm with you now. No, it's cool. And, uh, again, went, I had a bunch of people. Somewhere else in my head. Yeah, That's I had a bunch of people come up to me after the show and ask for my business cards. And, uh, I still, there was, like, a person in the back right corner of the room. The far back right corner did not find me funny. I found him immediately. I stared him the whole time. And there have been shows that I've been on not like there have been open mics I've been on where I'm on stage and I'm doing well and I just find like two three people in the front row and I just like I've just had it with these people who've come to the show yeah. they refuse to laugh so I start going into a joke that I know is it's one of my A material jokes and then I just don't tell the punchline because I hate the situation I'm in that much Yeah, and I find that the people who are those types who just sort of like grimace at you yeah. tend to sit in the front. Yeah. Like yeah. there's there's just for I remember and and they'll stay with you for years. Like I can remember like one of the first shows I ever did, I remember there's a woman and who I assume was her mother just sitting in the front row with their arms crossed and each joke they seemed more and more horrified. Yeah. You know? And I talked to other people and everyone was like, yeah, they just like stared me down the entire time I was up there. And I, maybe they thought it, maybe they didn't know they were coming to a comedy show because it was in some like random redneck bar. Like it wasn't at a comedy club, but still like you find those people anywhere. And I guess like they never laugh. Yeah. And so they've They're come. They've come here almost like it's a hospital, yeah. and they need treatment. And I was not the treatment for them. Hopefully, they found it. Yeah. Hopefully, you know. You know why I enjoy it? because growing up, I, I I was around a lot of people who they're very um was not timid but very like Puritan like. So I liked bu- busting the chops. The first time I did stand up and that happened, they got to me. After that first time, I connected. Hey, these are like the people I grew up with. So I would just, st- I just like staring at them and just getting dirtier and dirtier and just getting them more and more pissed off. My second point was mainly like the, the function of comedy in society, which I find extremely interesting. And I'm not going to go into like, like historically how it started or anything like that, but um, it, I find it interesting. Comedia. <laughs> Italy. Uh, Greece, actually, like Western comedy started in Greece. Um, I'm just going to say chlamydia. You can say whatever you want. Um, Romania? I, I just keep hearing chlamydia. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. It's wishful thinking. Back, back in the ancient times in the caves, they'd say chlamydia, and then there was Italy, I think, a couple hundred years. <laughs> and then years. comedy happened. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, there's all, the, there's all this, like, civil war in between. I wonder, like, I wonder how long chlamydia has been around, and I wonder if it predates comedy. Probably. It must. Wasn't that the one that came from lambs? No, from sleeping with lambs? no, it, it must not. And if you look at you know, I don't know. You gotta know we, this. Like the evolutionary rate of bacteria is like astounding. There's no way chlamydia has been around that long. It must have been around. No, uh, like a form of it maybe. Syphilis has been around. That's not the point. Okay. Homer's a doctor. <laughs> Homer's a medical engineer. Okay, no, syphilis My has been around for a long time. My whole point is the okay, the sorry. function and facet of comedy in society. Yes. Like what purpose does it serve in, in a society where you can have a sixty year old singer come out with an autobiography yeah. about how he got famous on an internet site that was mainly just jackasses putting videos up. Like, right. let's face it, like YouTube, all my videos are on YouTube. I hope they don't ban me or something. No, they won't. They're mega huge. Nobody cares. But, um, like, in, in this sort of, like, 
age where like everything's changing, like technology evolves more rapidly than any other form yeah. of anything, really, like that that man has done. Like where does comedy fit now? Where does this stand up comedy fit that like that started came obviously came out of vaudeville. Yeah. Right? You, you know what was interesting to me? I, I was reading all these these articles that uh, I do write articles for magazines. That means he's gonna make this next part up. No, I'm, I'm no, I'm. Just <laughs> I read an article. I, I was I was talking to another writer who writes for a different comedy magazine, and his his big thing is you know do live shows have a shot anymore with all the internet and all the instant stuff and, and stuff that they found is a lot of people who are in the internet crave live shows because it's so unique now and it's yeah. to see someone in person as opposed to seeing the. 30 second clips of the two minute clips. So, so let me just sit, sum that. So you, you're saying that because of the technology and the fact that you can have anything on demand at any time, it makes a live show even more rare. It, it does. Uh, the one, the one drop. Like you know, the big thing is the cost. Is that you can you can laugh for a lot cheaper now than going to a live show. Right. So the quality of the acts have to be much higher. Is what this this article writer has found. But there's something about a live show. I mean, we've had live shows for a long time. Even when TV came on, people. Well, still I mean, it. live shows. That's been go that's going back like. Yeah, but but before the TV was was going to replace live shows, there's something about seeing something live. But you're not quite sure what's going to happen. We have all the different takes on television. You look like you're going to make a point, Chris. I was, but I feel like we've sort of just going going beyond it. Go back, bring I, it back. <laughs> bring it back, Chris. Rewind Take it. Us home. No, I was just going to say that I feel like the internet and podcasts and all of that has sort of played a major role in a little bit of like the stand-up resurgence that's happening right now. Um, sure. Where you're having, you know, like they're bringing, um, like more clubs are opening up um, and it seems like more people are interested in seeing live comedy because they've been watching live comedy on the internet, listening to live comedy on podcasts and now they want to go see it in person. How much of it do you think is that or the recession has, like, who said it? I think Jay said it the other night on the other podcast, the back room, like, well, this comedy room. Jay Washington said, um, the recession That'll made, be hard to edit out, thanks. <laughs> sorry. He said uh, the recession made everybody a comedian, which I could kind of see people losing their jobs and think, ah, I'm going to go do comedy, trying to make well, money off of it. Right? No, I understand that. No, I understand, like, acting is one of those... Acting, well, and when I say acting, I'm encompassing, like, all performing, because stand-up comedy, to me, is a form of acting. Like, yeah. it's, you know, it's... It's a lot of it... A lot of comedians use, I feel like, true experiences and true stories and that sort of thing, whereas I tend to stay away from that. Like, I actually... I actually try to avoid that specifically, but because um, you're just dishonest. Right? Yeah, like pro a performing Inherently. a performing is a lie, and a performance is a lie. Like it is a lie. You go to see a show; those are not real people; those are not characters. And then you come out with like reality TV, and just by calling it reality TV and filming it, it's not real. Right. Like that's not; those aren't real people. That's just not how they act. They have been, because the camera's there because they're being observed. Like that changes their behavior. Therefore, they're not acting real. Therefore, it's not reality TV. Right. Like this, Schrodinger this is, proved it. You, when you, he, make, you make an interesting point about um, uh, like like being on t or, uh, like things not being real. And I've had a couple of people. I, I you know I make up some of my stories. They're they're totally written. And uh, like the worst place to do comedy is well I don't want to say on the podcast. It's totally fabricated. But I had someone come and say I can't believe you made that up. And I said to him, you know, real life is not that funny. That's why you come to the show. That's why you come out to see things. I mean, right. what, what do you want my jokes to be? So I, so I paid my taxes the other day so I didn't go to jail. And guess what? They kept all the taxes I paid. Hilarious. Well, that's my time. You know, like yeah. You, you, well, you, we, yeah, we got into that a little bit in the last podcast, and I think that's very true and very realist. But the odd thing is, when we are creating these stories, we sometimes base them off life experiences. Yeah. We struggle a little bit to connect. With but it is it is a work of fiction that is made to seem like a real story. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the whole interesting like well, art imitates I, life and blah blah blah. But, that's why uh, I had to cut my Kareem Abdul-Jabbar story because it's not believable that myself and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar playing one on one. 
basketball on the moon. <laughs> the Space Olympics. Yeah, it, that's the one. I mean, there's there's a fine line between reality and fiction because you want it to be real enough that it connects with the crowd, but fabricated enough that it entertains them. Well, know? no, I find that very interesting because if you look at like abstraction and abstract absurdism, um, it, it's interesting because they they take that element away to comment on that element so it's like you take by saying things that are just so outlandish but delivering them in a normal way that's that's the play on the normal I, do, I will say that I do sometimes find people getting legitimately hurt hilarious yeah I agree um, oh, it depends on the but, circumstances but I, I get the point and, but I do, I do have to say that I do think that reality often, without much embellishment, is hilarious. Um, now I understand I that that's, you know, there's more to stand up than simply reporting back, right? Um, on what what you but witness. But the thing is, you're you're then taking uh, an observationist point of view, right? Where you're bringing a situation that didn't happen to you. I, like if I saw something, like when I was in Church's Chicken in Memphis, this is like word for word what happened. Lady orders 53 pieces of chicken. Guy behind the counter asks, is that for here to go? And it's like, why would you ask that? Like, use your brain. Why would you ask that? And the girl goes, you think I'm going to sit up in here and eat all this fried chicken by myself? She was black. And, um, and he literally said to her, bitch, please, I don't know your life. And it's like, I was there, and it was odd and absurd, but it wasn't funny until I told it to somebody else. Does that make sense? Like, that's the element that's missing. Like, you would, you would never know that real experience. And just by me relaying it to you, it's not a real experience because you weren't there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like, um, so the, the quote I want to close with tonight, um, and we can briefly discuss it, but uh, we're going to edit a lot, so... Um, is, is a quote from Picasso, and I wrote it down, but I'm going to paraphrase a little. Um, so it's really it, not a quote. Exactly. No, the, the quote is... No, I, I was going to make up the first part. I'll just go with the quote. Um, Picasso says, Art is a lie that reveals truth. Hmm. Can I uh, say something? Uh, back it's not going to make sense. <laughs> About the quote? Because we're wrapping it up. That's the last uh, talking point. I kind of wanted to say something about <laughs> I didn't. Do you, no, I'm not going to edit around you anymore, Homer. <laughs> like, if it's not on the point. Okay, I agree with that, me. what he said. With what he said. Well, what did he say? Well, Repeat like, it back okay. to me, short attention said, span man. He said that art is a lie that reveals the truth, which I agree with, because that means that you can tell Added a lie. Article, but. You can tell a lie, but at the same time, the meaning of that, how you interpret it, can reveal a truth that's happening within your life or uh, what you notice in your observation. No, no, you're, add, you're adding too much. Like, but that could, it could mean that, and I agree, that it reveals truth. And, it, and the, the lie of the joke, like, you can make a lie up, but at the same time, no, but what you get out of it could be also a metaphor for what you see. But my whole point about relaying a real story that just happened is, like, it, it is a lie in the sense that I have no proof. Right. Like, you know what I mean? It's not a report. I have right. no proof. You're you're just believing me. Right. And that's what all lies are. Right. <laughs> but I'm never going to believe another word that comes out of your mouth. And that's fine. What I love about the quote is, is I think, <clears throat> particularly in comedy, maybe in, in other I don't do any other formal art. I mean, I write stuff, but I don't know that exactly. counts. It does. Um, I, I, write articles, I would count it. You know, but I, I, think, I think in Articles comedy, require an audience, in, though. In like stand-up or in comedy... We're in the business of lies and truths because you can really affect someone. Like the, the stuff that that you know when I when I tell a joke and someone suspects, like, yeah, that is so true. That really happens. And I've totally made up a circumstance around airport security or around working at Subway. Right. It's a total lie, but it's revealing that. I mean, that quote kind of embeds what the goal of comedy is: is I want to get someone to laugh at reality that they otherwise may not have, or reality right. that's hard for them. And then when I get off stage and they go to shake my hand, I hate connecting with people. I <laughs> can't stand it, but I like it when it happens because it means I've done my job. Sure. But yes, I would say we're in the business of lies and truths. And when you orchestrate both well and you connect with people, you're doing a good job. I have to say this is the deepest conversation I've been involved in in years. Call me anytime. Um, <laughs> 
Hey, and so no, but it's great that it's being recorded. Um, don't call and me and ask me what I'm thinking because I will literally tell you. <laughs> like, um, oh no, I almost just inserted you guys in a memory. Nice. But a friend of mine called me and he goes, "What are you thinking about?" And I go, "I'm just wondering why cars have four wheels." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "No, no, I know it's structurally sound. Like, I, I get the design, but like, who the hell just went? You know what? Four wheels." And now, like, it's not. Could have been three. Sure, could have been five. Like, so? no, that's how they. Like a rudder wheel no, or they something. Started I don't know. Out like that. You like, got um, him on it. You got him on. We had it. And then he mentioned wheels. I'm sorry, but <laughs> the like, train is off the rails. They, Are we they really? They invented a car with not four wheels. Yeah. Was it a car or was it a motorized yeah. tricycle? It was a mobile. A mobile. Like so. So not a. I, I sort of wanted to say, like, in the context of that quote, I can't help but think about his art and yeah. how he made, like, everything into odd shapes and um, how maybe, like, he thought that people really had, like, square faces. I don't know. That's sort of my interpretation of the quote. Well, I'm not, an, I wasn't an art history major. I, I majored in theater and philosophy, and... Um, the, from what I've under from what I've understood of people who really appreciate Picasso is that his whole point was that like by breaking the shape of a face or what have you, it calls attention to the shape. Right. Like by making it so off and so wrong, you are then more aware of the true shape. Right. And then um, and um, I don't know. I think we can end there. Well, can I give uh, one more one more sure. analysis? Yep. I was actually a political science major, and we used that Picasso quote. And, <laughs> and so I said we, and, it, and it's the same as comedy, but it, it was the opposite. So we're in the business of lies and truths. We lie to cover up the truths, and we flip both of them, so people believe the lies and ignore the truths. And then he shook my hand, and I almost got into politics. Our guest today, uh, Chris Soa. Soa? Um, a lot of people say Sawa, but that's not how my name is said. Don't say well, it that way. So, so don't don't say it that way. If you right. do, I'll kick you in the nuts. Makes me think uh, of pigs. And now I'm going to think of pigs. Um, <laughs> that's it for us. Uh, for almost live at Riddles Open Mic Night um, at 5055 West 111th Street, Alsip, um, Illinois. Illinois. North USA. America, USA, North America, Earth, um, Milky Way. Do you know they found um, a huge hourglass radiation nebula that is yes. twice the size of the Milky Way, circling the center? What does it? What does it make it? Uh... Like it's it's a different like energy. They can't measure it or classify it. They yeah. have no idea. Anyway, um, I'm Stephen Kerrigan. With me is Homer Zark and Zach Brakovich. And again, our Chris Soa. <laughs> Mess that up. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Um, if you want to email any questions, anything, any talking points you want to do, um, I would just go ahead and hit us up at almostlive at gmail.com. I don't know if that's actually an email address. I'm, I was going to register it, but probably do it. But I haven't done it yet. So if that comes back to you or if somebody goes, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, just go ahead and email me at smkerrigan, C-A-R-I-G-N-A-N, at me.com. That's me.com. Uh, we do thank you for listening, and uh, we hope to hear, uh, hear from you. We love you. Go Picasso. <laughs> Woo! All right.